I'm Chad Main, the founder of legal services company Percipient, and this is Technically Legal, a podcast about legal technology and innovation in the legal industry. In today's episode, we're talking about intellectual property management with Yeppe Hutloff Vinberg and Michael Rowe Meyer. The topic of today's conversation is IP management. I sat down with Yeppe Hutloff Vinberg, who is the co-founder of Rightly.io, which is an intellectual property management app. And we also talked to a customer of Rightly, Michael Rowe Meyer, who serves as interim general counsel for the Danish clothing company Maasai. I spoke to Yeppe and Michael on a cold winter day here in Chicago, but they were in their native Denmark. And I learned that Denmark doesn't get much snow in the winter. Who knew? I just figured having a bunch of snow was a prerequisite for being a Scandinavian country. But learning stuff is one of the reasons I love doing this podcast. What else did I learn from Yeppe and Michael? The ins and outs of IP management. The ACC Legal Ops Maturity Model describes IP management as operations to optimize the return on investment in the intangible assets of an organization such as patents and trademarks. I bring up the Legal Ops Maturity Model because on one end of the spectrum for IP management, or what is described as being early in the IP operational maturity process, you have a mishmash of manual processes to keep track of IP filings and deadlines. While on the other side of the IP management maturity spectrum, you have systems and automations in place to monitor and process things for the entirety of the IP lifecycle from start to finish. This is where Rightly comes in. It is software that helps automate many of the tasks and process involved in registering and protecting intellectual property. So before we dive in, I think a high-level overview of the various IP management stages would be helpful. First, you have to have an idea that needs protection, either by copyright, trademark, or patent. Once you have that idea, you need to make sure that no one thought of it first and has rights to it. That is, you need to make sure you can register the idea in the first place. Once IP is registered, you have to maintain it. That's done by showing use and paying for renewals that occur in pretty much every country in the world. To protect the mark, you need to police it and make sure no one's infringing on it. And finally, one of the tasks that happens during the IP lifecycle that may not always come to mind for non-IP folk is that you need to continually evaluate whether it's even worth to continue spending money to protect the IP. So I hope that overview is helpful, but enough about me talking about this stuff. Let's get to my conversation with Yeppe and Michael. As we will find out, Yeppe is a former professional handball player. It's not like you run into one of those every day. You've committed, I saw on LinkedIn, to, to riding 10,000 kilometers this year. It, it, tell me, what, where the idea come from? I saw you broke it down very analytically about how much you're going to have to do. What's the goal? Are you getting other people involved? I, I used to be a professional handball player. Uh, so I've already always been very uh, competitive, and uh, my co-founder uh, Bjorn um, rides uh, his bike every day uh, back and forth uh, to the office. Uh, and suddenly he just said, "Hey, uh, when when you cannot run anymore, I had my personal goal was actually to run a mar- marathon on the Chinese Wall, uh, but I cannot run because my my body is is too sore from the professional handball." Um, and then he suggested that I could ride a bike. And then uh, two months in, I just uh, fell in love with, with riding the bike because I'm, I'm not sore when I'm done, but I can still have that uh, competitive uh, when, I, when I ride. And uh, yeah, so I just thought that uh, if I can do this, uh, other people that are also a little bit uh, in the need for exercise, maybe they would join me for that um, event too, I guess. And how long were you a professional handball player? I've been a professional handball player since I was 16, uh, and then I stopped when I was 32, I guess. So, yeah, maybe roughly 14 years, I guess. Do you miss it? Um, yeah, it, it's not very often when I come to the office and I start typing my keyboard that there's like a thousand people uh, cheering for me. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, I, so, fair enough. So, I guess I, I miss that. I guess. I miss that atmosphere, uh, but 
but being a team player is also what he, what we have brought into rightly uh, because we are not a we started out as a law firm but we are not only a law firm anymore now we're also a tech company and uh, and being a part of that team too where where we have different skill sets we have different personalities but we all work strive for the same goal to make a difference uh, and that's more or less the same spirit as I had when I was a pro professional handball player because we all wanted to win no matter if they were a carpenter or a law student right so so i guess that's more or less the same situation i find myself in i guess michael tell me about your background in relationship with rightly i i am a lawyer for for background and and now i'm working as an interim consultant uh, with a, a firm called basico so i'm working uh, within various companies on uh sort of say interim basis uh, so we would call it in America, you are outsourcing the in-house counsel or general counsel function, it sounds like. Is that, is that accurate? That, that, that could be accurate. Or you can, you can, so, yeah, you can say it. It's, it's, it's external source that, that, that comes in-house. <laughs> yeah. And tell me, what is your relationship to Rightly and what are you doing as far as intellectual property there within the companies you help? So the, one of the companies that I, I represent or, or work in uh, is called uh, Masai. It's a, it's a clothing company. Um, so, of course, they have a, a lot of trademarks, a lot of IP rights uh, throughout the world. Um, quite a substantial business, actually, doing business all around the world, including the, the, the U.S. And, um, yeah, so, so that's, that's actually how I got involved with, with the ride, Rightly, because um, it, the, our trademarks and, and IP rights were, were outsourced, but we didn't have any in clue what we actually had and didn't didn't have uh, it was was living its its own life uh, some, somewhere at an external provider uh, on paper and um, yeah so we we basically didn't didn't know much what we had uh, so when I I stepped in I I tried to to figure this out out I'm I'm not an IP guy um, so so I'm I'm a very sort of say I'm a probably more of a generalist I know a bunch of stuff about a bunch of things um but besides negotiating contracts i don't really have this like special area that i dwell deep into i i need assistance with with the special areas from from time to time and and then i got involved with with the with the yep interesting interesting so before we get into the nitty-gritty of what rightly does let's step back and you're at a cocktail party. Yep. How do you describe the company in one or two sentences? What's the elevator pitch? I would say that Right is a collaborative uh, platform for managing, protecting uh, IP rights, uh, and uh, we assist with that all over the world uh, through a very comprehensive agent network. And I'm like Michael, admittedly. Um, intellectual property. I know just enough to be dangerous. I don't understand the concepts. So when someone runs into me at a, a cocktail party and says, hey, I got an idea for a patent, I'm always thinking in the back of my mind, oh boy, <laughs> I'm not your guy. But but so I, I would like to back up just for, for everybody and listeners that may not be IP focused in their, in their work. How would you define IP? What are the different types? What I love about IP is that you find it everywhere you look. Uh, because uh, if you if you go to the store and you want to buy uh, a beverage, you could maybe go for a, a brown beverage called Pepsi or Coca Cola, right? So so that's a brand, that's a trademark. The right? name, the, the the name is the trademark. Yes, exactly. 
um, and, and switching on to a design patent, another type of IP right. That would be, for example, how the bottle, the shape of the bottle, uh, that can actually be design protected. Um, and um, another feature could be that fridge you would then open to pick your beverage. Maybe there is some kind of technology in that fridge saying it's uh, it would automatically cool uh, the beverage down to five degrees if the deg- temperature outside of the fridge is too high or whatever I know, right? Um, so, so I would say that um, the patents they protect an invention. It could be a technical functionality or it could be uh, the components of a of a drug uh, painkiller whatever while we're on the coke pepsi thing there's also copyright they could have they could have a copyright in the name itself the written word that's correct too uh, you could also have a, a copyright for for the slogans and for for the environmental pictures that you that you use in your marketing uh, so there's many different uh, types of ip all around you and then lastly probably the most important thing about coke the secret recipe that's a trade secret which is also intellectual property that's correct that's probably the best kept secret in the world i guess <laughs> exactly 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 <laughs> so you said rightly saw its genesis as a law firm i assume you were practicing ip law at the, at the law firm that's correct and only and only ip yeah uh, I specialized in, in what we call soft IP, so uh, so that's trademarks and uh, registered uh, community designs. That's at least what we call it in Europe, and and in the US you would call that for a design pet. So you're practicing law, you're doing this IP work for for companies and individuals. Why do you decide to create a tech company, and why do you decide to create Rightly? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, in the beginning, uh, Bjorn and I founded this company three and a half years ago and uh, we started out very small with one client um, and um, suddenly uh, Bjorn started to say okay we need to give them this overview because I don't want to do all this manual work anymore so he started creating uh, what we would say like a Excel spreadsheet to have the overview and then starting to build in uh, small automation uh, sequences where he could trigger emails and then we just started, okay, when we we gained more clients, we could just see that, okay, this, this can be developed uh, as, as maybe a tool uh, to automatize a lot of simple manual tasks. Then um, I would say maybe in 2018, the end of 2018, we started to develop our own software and um, we were ready with that in the early 2019 where we made our Excel spreadsheet, uh, cloud-based. Uh, so it was really not uh, that uh, <laughs> that smart because we were still only like eight people in our company. Um, and then we decided, okay, uh, let's at least give it a nice try and grant our clients access to this system too so that when they needed to have this overview of their IP rights, uh, they could log on to a website and they could retrieve all the information that they, they needed. They could download registration certificates, so they wouldn't have to wait for me to be able to respond to that email to send it to them. So the idea was spawned from your internal work at the law firm, keeping track of the various deadlines and intellectual property and the work you were doing on behalf of the client. Exactly. Uh, I would say that um, it was a tool 
that we used in the beginning to make our life easier, uh, our daily life easier and, and more simple. Uh, I would say because we had a lot of emails coming in back and forth all the time with agents all over the world, and yeah, we, we couldn't keep track of those, so we started automatizing the flow. That was how it all started, I would say. And so then ultimately, you open it up to your clients, and they start accessing it. And then you thought, well, what, let's make this more formal. Let's make an, an app. Is that kind of the how it worked? Yeah, it's 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 a web app. It's cloud based. Uh, and um, and in, in, in 2019, we started developing uh, action uh, possibilities on the platform so that clients were able to, to provide us with instructions by clicking uh, different tabs on the, on the platform. Uh, and then we, um, we actually showed it to some of our clients, our U.S. clients, when we met them at this um, industry fair in Boston in June 2019, and they they just fell in love with that system and say, hey, you need to make this available for us too to work with. And that was like law firm clients. Um, and then we said, yeah, we, we don't know how to do that, but they just demanded that, hey, we, we will support you. We'll support you. Please start making this. So we spent the rest of 2019 developing and developing this platform. And, um, and then in 2020, we changed our name to Rightly, so we thought we were a little bit more modern, young, and smart, I would say. And uh, then we were ready to make a huge impact and, and marketing uh, effort at the next annual meeting uh, within the IP industry. But that was postponed due to COVID nineteen, right? Let, let's back. Let's back up because I want to get into the specifics of what the app does and the things it tracks and how it helps. But if you could put the IP lifecycle and all the management tasks into buckets at a high level, what would those tasks be from start to finish? The, the whole value chain, I guess, starts with getting the idea, right? So, so you have the idea that you want to to market your products, and how do you how do you make sure that that idea is that you don't infringe any any other registered IP rights. So you send that email to your lawyer and then you conduct this search. And then you decide, okay, I want to file for a registration. To file a registration, you first need to understand, okay, what types of goods do I want to, to market here? And then you file the application. And then there's numerous emails back and forth between the agent in Let's say for a U.S. company, it's an agent in Europe or an agent in China, just to get an understanding and to translate the list of goods correctly. So those applications can then be filed in, in the country in a different language. So you got to get them translated. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a requirement. So that process we have automated uh, in, in a tool. Um, and then when you have those registrations, if you have, let's say, just like Maasai, they have... I guess it's 23 different trademarks registered in 23 different countries. So they're registered at a different date. So when are they up for renewal? What is the renewal price? Who is the agent assisting you in these countries? All of that information we have gathered in a database. So it's easy for the database to remind you, hey, please be aware that you have this trademark in Mexico, that's up for renewal. So all of that is automatized. So we don't need any paralegals to assist us. All of that service is automatized. Commonly referred to as the docketing. Yes, 
fully correct. So, so normally what you would do is that you would have a paralegal uh, in charge of your docketing system, uh, having a docketing system available, and then they would send an email to the specific client saying, dear sir, we, you have registered this trademark in Mexico with the following details. It is up for renewal on May 27, 2021. Send email. And there's no response because that client has very important other stuff to do too. They may be, they may be in a M&A process or whatever, right? So then the paralegal gets a reminder from the targeting system saying, hey, you don't have any instructions. Please remind the client. So then the paralegal will sit down, find that email, resend it and saying, hey, please see below. I need your instructions to whether renew or to allow to lapse. This process will then continue for maybe two, three, four times before the paralegal will turn to the attorney and say, hey, please call your client because I don't get any instructions regarding this trademark. And then the attorney tries to call the client and say, hey, I really need your instructions. All of this is like numerous hours spent on very, very little value add, I would say. So what the platform provides now is the opportunity that all of this is automatized. So the system will send out these numerous reminder emails until we get the instruction. And if there's no instructions a month prior to the deadline, yes, then we, of course, contact the clients and the attorneys contact the client. Uh, but then we need to take action. But all the other reminders, they're automatized. All right. So, so we've got the idea. You start with the idea. You make sure it, you can register it. It doesn't infringe anybody. You register it. You've got the docketing and paying attention to renewals and proving use. What's after that? What, what's next in the IP life cycle? Yeah, so when, when you have your rights registered, then you're, of course, able to enforce them, right? Um, you can enforce in, in two different topics. You can enforce what we would say, like, administratively, where you enforce your rights to have only one trademark. So you could file an opposition against other filings that you may deem uh, conflicting to yours or maybe slightly confusing to the consumers, then you file an opposition. That is one type of enforcement. The other type of enforcement could be misuse. And um, on the Rightly platform, we have developed our own proprietary software that can scan and monitor the internet um, for misuse. And that is also what we are doing quite a lot for Masai. Um, uh, yeah, and, and we call that for online brand protection. So after enforcement, you monitor the enforcement. W what else is going on in the IP lifecycle and how does Rightly address that? When we enforce uh, during the using the Rightly platform, uh, we will then scan online marketplaces that could be eBay, Alibaba, Amazon. We scan that for infringing misuse of the trademarks. We also use image recognition for design patents, for copyrights. We can monitor social media and yeah, all the online marketplaces where, where you encounter, where you, where you purchase products. 
But what, what we can also do is we can search uh, the internet, and that is exactly what we're doing for Maasai. We are searching for fake web shops. So a fake web shop is a is a normal web shop, uh, but when you when you find that beautiful Maasai dress that you really want to buy for your wife, the the <laughs> You just don't get any any products. You pay online, everything looks nice and easy, but you don't get any products, and then you're scammed. So we can, by our algorithms, we can find these fake web shops, and we can see that there's no real activity behind these web shops, and then we can uh, file a takedown notice, and then we can remove those uh, fake web shops. And does rightly keep track of all the various actions that you're either filing or threatening to file against the, the fake websites? Yes, there is a full transparency on the platform. So all the DMCA letters are, are saved on the platform. You can drag and drop important emails to the targeting so that they're shown on the platform too, along with registration certificates or internal memos. Uh, all is saved on, on the platform so you can easily exit, access it again whenever you need it. We're going to take five away from my conversation with Yepa and Michael. When we come back, Michael explains how he uses Rightly in the real world, and Yepa fills us in about where to start with IP management. This podcast is brought to you by Percipient, a legal services company powered by technology. Percipient helps legal teams tackle legal operations, electronic document review, and process automation. Percipient services include managed document review, subpoena compliance, cyber incident response, and also helps legal teams provide clients with process-driven legal support. To learn more, visit percipient.co. Percipient. Legal services powered by technology. We'll get back to my talk with Yep and Michael in just a second, but I wanted to let you know that for every episode of Technically Legal at tlpodcast.com, there's a dedicated episode page with more information about our guests and links to some of the stuff we talk about. Also, if you want to subscribe, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. And while you're there, if you like us enough, I hope you give us a favorable review. If you want to get a hold of me, you can find me on LinkedIn or Twitter or email me at cmain at percipient.co. That's C-M-A-I-N at percipient.co. Okay, let's get back to my conversation with Yepi and Michael. We pick up and Michael explains how he uses Rightly in the real world. So, Michael, let's move to you. We talked about the functionality of Rightly and how it works from the tech angle and from the logistics angle, but how is it really used in the real world? How are you using it as the client? I am using it in, in various different ways, actually. As One of the points was, was the, the, the costs. So, very normal, we report to the CFO. And uh, whenever they lay down a budget, um, they, uh, they always tend to, uh, to miss out uh, any renewals or they have no clue uh, what, what it costs. Uh, so, so I can actually always be ahead of that or, or find out very quickly. So for, for the first quarter or two quarters, we have a, a cost of, uh, of X for renewal of, of, uh, of, of various trademarks. So, so that, that's, that, that's one way to use it. Another way is, is that if you do uh, contracts, very often you have... Uh, a schedule or appendix of uh, your your trademarks, and um, and I can easily access that, and I can I can just take it down as a PDF, call it schedule number two, and then 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 that's done. So it's very time saving for for me actually, um, and uh, and yeah, I I also use it to be to be compliant, so to say I, I don't miss any deadlines, and uh, <laughs> I think that that's probably the 
the the best thing here is uh, I don't really have to think think that much. It's an area I don't understand much about, but all the all daily stuff is basically just handled. I have just have to click very few places, and then I can report back to management. Then that everything is as supposed to be. If it's not supposed to be, uh, or if it's not in order, then of course I will I reach out to to Yeb, um and 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 his team. But but I use it as a swift way to you know, to to get certainty to the to the management. You've already hinted at it. Budget it, it helps you budget for the IP you know IP matters and what it's going to cost. But you mentioned too, it saves money. How how does it save you money? So it saves me money in, or, or saves my size money in the way that actually you yeah, haven't touched upon it before, but but if somebody buys what they believe to be a massage dress, everything is looking fine, don't receive anything, then they would of course complain to us. And then we have we have a an unsatisfied customer. Even though it's not our fault, it, it's not really a good experience. So the only way we can make this a sort of a, probably a good experience is that we give them the merchandise that they actually wanted. And we of course get a like a pseudo customer. But it doesn't really, they don't pay us anything, but we have to deliver some, some goods. We can, of, of course, say, well, you got scammed, that's it, bye-bye. But that's, that's not really <laughs> how you get returning customers. So it, it saves us money in the way that we have less customers that is, that is scammed and we don't have to, to deal with bad experiences. And also we don't have to, uh, to give out, uh, in, let's say, free goods, but we don't have to, to get out any merchandise that... That, that we don't get paid for, or not at least as, as, as much. You mentioned reporting to management, and you mentioned budgeting, of course. What other metrics do you find important or that the business people are asking you about that you can easily grab in, in, a, in a platform like Rightly? There's, um, so we, we, we're registered for in various uh, classes. So there's clothing, there's bags, there's accessories and all that. And... So having been being registered in in let's say plus twenty countries in various classes, it can be somewhat difficult to keep track of in in your head. Uh, and I'm I'm not trying to do that. I because I have it all here at the platform. So if anybody asks me, so where where are we protected in terms of of um, having bags and where we? So I, I can very easily access that and give them a correct uh, reporting. I don't have to to say, well, uh, give me a couple of days because I have to reach out to our uh, external agent or anything to 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 get an answer. I, I can give them some an answer instantly. And I think that's a, that's that's a really a high proposition for for our work. I, I think that internal legal work has has some, been somewhat um, in the defense, and I think this some these new legal tech uh, platforms can actually get us more in the offense. So we can take action uh, in in a really proper time, not being on you know being too late or just just up to to the deadline. Uh, but we can also tell the business that um, well, maybe we we don't have any protection in this area of the of the world. Are you planning to move here? Because maybe we should you know take some action on on securing our rights before uh, entering this this market. It could be and uh, you know. Uh, uh, the the wrong way around saying let's let's go to India because it's a it's a it's a big market, and then trying to secure our rights after that we uh, sort of um, uh, been there or 
maybe we we just totally forget it when the daily operations goes. So um, so I think we can we can be be more proactive towards uh, our our clients, our customers. What all metrics are available to users? The the, the different metrics, uh, Chad. Uh, in the, in the platform, you can see all the financial metrics, uh, all of your the number of IP rights you have registered. You can also track all the rights that you have um, let expire. You can also see all of the different um, financial costs involved in your current IP portfolio. You can also see the number uh, of fake webshops we have removed, percentages. Uh, you can see all of the, um, the different um, records. Uh, Print screens are saved for all of our takedowns, so yet we can access them again if we need to in the litigation action. Uh, so, so I guess uh, being founded by an economist, there's a lot of metrics on the platform. <laughs> yeah. One of the things you both hit on right there, and I think it's something that people may not think about when they think IP, because I think generally when people think about IP, they think about enforcement or protecting an idea. But there comes a point where you need to prune or cut down on some of your registered patents or and trademarks because it might be too expensive to, to maintain them versus the return. How can the how can a platform or metrics and stuff help with that? Um, we, we were secured in in countries that we that we didn't dealt with or had no attention to to move into. So that makes made actually no sense. So we were paying we were just paying money for. Uh, renewals in in country that we you know had had no intention of, of of doing business in, so that's that's an easy save. Yeah, and I guess that's uh, that comes down to the whole IP strategy. It's easier to implement a strategy when you have the full overview uh, and you have full transparency. Uh, and um, what we are continuously developing and building uh, with our clients um, is is always to expand that strategy session too. So so when which countries are important for you? Yeah, but then you can see that on the platform. Yes, you're registered, but you're only registered in Norway for clothing. But now you're also sending jewelry. You need to apply for a new trademark. So then the system, the, the platform can then automatically start sending you these reminders based on the input that you provide. Then we can easily help you bring peace of mind to you and say, hey, you need to file new trademarks or you are you are covered so so that is something that's really neat i would say uh, in the platform too what else is on the roadmap as far as automation you've talked about automating notices and reminders and things of that nature what else can be automated in the ip world oh i'm so happy that you asked this question Ted, because there's a lot of uh, opportunities still i think when we talk about legal tech we're talking a lot about ai and stuff and and we, we really need to take a step back because automation is really key first. When we are working in the IP industry, there's a lot, a lot of manual tasks. I just briefly touched upon the whole filing uh, issue and the renewal issue. But, but for the moment, when I file a new trademark for Maasai in Canada, after I've exchanged numerous emails with that same lawyer in Canada, then he will update his targeting system in Canada. When that attorney is done with his work, he will then send an email to his paralegal, say, hey, please invoice that to Yebe. 
And then when the authorities start to assessing that application, then probably we would be faced with a provisional refusal, a request to amend the list of goods. Then that first draft of the list of goods will eventually be amended, right? Then the paralegal in Canada would then have to update their targeting system, send an email to my paralegal in Denmark, and my paralegal would then have to amend the list of goods available on the Rightly platform so that Michael can see the right information. What we are building now and what will be available within a few months is what we call shared data. Shared data in in terms of the IP records. So instead of us exchanging emails, we are sharing the same data. So imagine that the agent in Canada would then type in the specific information to the right platform instantly, upload the document from the Canadian Patent and Trademark Office so that we can verify. Instead of us just receiving an email, then the paralegal in Canada would assign that specific case within the Rightly platform to my paralegal. So then my paralegal would get a notification from the platform saying, hey, there's news for you regarding the Maasai application in Canada. Please review. My paralegal would then review the same data. So now we have actually two persons verifying the same data. That ensures that the data is correct and we don't have numerous emails flying around, but you have a specific task. You can see clear and then that's it. And then when our paralegal in Denmark has verified the data, the platform will then automatically trigger an email back to the agent in Canada saying, hey, thank you. We have now confirmed the data. That's one email. And then another email sending automatically to Michael saying, hey, Michael, there's new regarding your trademark application in Canada. We have amended the list of goods. Everything is available on the platform. So all of that is just simple automation. And there's no AI or artificial intelligence with that. That's just simple automation and sharing of data, collaborating. That's exciting. That's exciting. Uh, and I think you raise a good point too. Everybody gets kind of caught up in AI because it is promising. It's it's cool. There's some neat stuff it can do. But yeah, I think you. I agree. A lot of times you can get a lot done just by forms and and um, automating tasks and just collecting data. I agree 100%. So this last question. Um, can be, I guess it's thrown out to both of you. We've kind of already talked about how there's differing levels of maturity within an organization or even a law firm about how they're keeping track of their 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 clients' uh, intellectual property. It starts with a spreadsheet, as you guys did it rightly, and then it moves to other stuff. We actually automate tasks and can provide metrics and can go to the cloud and look at your IP portfolio at any given time and see what it looks like. But it might be overwhelming. Like when you, when you talk about legal tech, it's kind of overwhelming. I think a lot of people want to bite off more than they should when they start or they want to solve every problem at once when they probably they're better suited just to start with baby steps or just common everyday tasks. If someone were to come to either one of you, and I'll let either one of you jump in and ask, where should we start 
in IP management and using tech and automation IP management, what would you tell them? What's the first thing they should do? Okay, so so the first thing that I I, I used the the platform for, for that was that was, it was actually the, the probably one of the most simple features, but that that was the the, the overview. There's a there's a world map in where you're actually registered, and and just getting that that grasp of, of where are we actually where where are our rights secured? Where where are they not? It's 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 really really basic, and it should be secured, of course, in in every uh, in every company that that's had the need for it. But it's it's very often that that it's not, and not in all of the classes at least. So so just get that overview and and get that sense that 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 you have um, uh, the the full understanding and notion of where we actually secured and not secured. That, that 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 was the first thing, uh, and and that that was actually not an easy task to understand if if you just have this externally on 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 paper, um, because then then you would get a maybe you can get an Excel sheet with with something or anything, but but this is the the way that I can just go and and see it for myself and present to to management is that that's so simple, but it's it's so valuable to me actually. And Yepa, you've been through the whole process. You did it. This is the reason behind Rightly. You've kind of mapped out your workflow and automated it and created tech behind it. Going back now, knowing what you know, if someone were to come to you and say, where do I start with my IP management program? What's Where would you tell them to start outside of geographically, like Michael mentioned? I think it's really important to, to understand that when you work with, with trademarks and you and, and you, you want to secure your, your trademarks, there's a lot of different documents that, that you need to be aware of, uh, that you need to save, I guess. Uh, and uh, what, what I experienced is at least that many of the registration certificates, they are stored at the attorney's office. So, so when we take over the responsibility for new clients, we then, within a few weeks, <laughs> we, we send a package with registration certificates. And these registration certificates of course, crucial when you when you want to enforce them. So that that's the first thing we make the registration certificates available online for easy download all the time. The next thing is if you if you if you have undertakings, if you have different undertakings uh, where you or license agreements or coexistence agreements, all of these very important business-oriented contracts that impact the way you can maybe expand your product to different countries or from clothing also to accessories, you maybe, you maybe have many of these contracts, but where are they and, and what impact do they actually have on, on your business? So many of these contracts are stored in, in a fire safe or in a bank vault or whatever, but we make it available on the platform so that you can you can see the documents, but you can also see them on the world map where you where you are limited from expanding to, or where you have actually blocked others. Uh, so, so giving the whole transparency and simple overview of how you can actually conduct your business without infringing other rights is uh, is something that's uh, really important for businesses when they are expanding. I guess. If I just could 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 add on, I I think you said a very crucial crucial word there and that was transparency just taking a very complex area making it 
complex instead of more closed and more secure. I think a lot of law firm has the tendency to, to say this is complex. We want to make it even more complex because then there's more use for us. So, so we make it less transparent uh, because then you need us more. But you've done, sort of done it the other way around saying we make this completely transparent um, and, and, um, and, and I, that actually works. Excellent advice from you both. I appreciate it. Michael, thanks for your time. If people want to learn more about you, how do they find you? So they can, uh, they can find out more on uh, Basico. That's B-S-S-I-C-O dot D-K. It's not that often I say it on, on English, but it's Basico dot D-K. And yep, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Where can they learn more about you and Rightly? Thank you very much for your time, Chad, and for your invitation. Uh, it's a great show. I've listened to many of your podcasts, and I really enjoy how you make uh, legal tech available. Uh, you can find more about Rightly uh, if you log on to our website at rightly.io. So that's a wrap for today's conversation. As always, we really appreciate you listening. If you want to learn more about our guests and find other episodes, you can find us on the web at tlpodcast.com. Until next time, this has been Technically Legal.